Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. For anyone else alive out there, the DPR staff is heading to Atlanta. We have it on good authority that... Wait, what's that? Listeners, I just got word that Alexander Skarsgård is heading to Vegas. Okay, new plan. Josh, Ben, we're going to Vegas! Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, CM Alexander, and Josh and Ben are with me today for a bonus episode, a slightly different format called The Sit, so named because we just got done watching the first episode of the Stand miniseries remake. And Josh is going to lead us through our very spoilery discussion. Yeah, so uh, we're just going to keep this real freeform because it's we literally just walked into studio from all watching it together, and and I just I want to get into it. Are we're introduced through this whole scenario? They're already in Boulder. How did you guys feel about that? Starting at the middle, kind of did not anticipate that at all. But I thought it was a fantastic way to kick things off, considering the Stand miniseries already exists. We have our 1994 version, which is great, but it's time for something new. Things can always be improved on, and we can honor that, and it doesn't diminish the effort and hard work of those who first brought it to life, or our enjoyment or appreciation for the original. And if you're going to bring it into modern times, it makes sense to make it unique and set it apart from what's been done previously. Because people are going to compare the two. I mean, how can you not? I really appreciate that this has an entirely different feel that so far, I mean, one episode in, but so far seems to be in the spirit of the story we know. But really taking ownership of it and bringing a unique vision and style to it. So I dig the hell out of it. What about you, Ben? Wow. First of all, I'm going to be speechless through. I'm, I'm still <laughs> processing. I came into this, honest to God, I've avoided any news about it. <laughs> Literally, when mm-hmm. Stu showed up, I went, James Marsden. <laughs> and I was like, apparently, everyone knew that. Yeah. I came in with zero expectations, and fuck, this was good. So good. I, I loved the, the in media res opening that we did not spend. An entire episode of, oh, everyone's going to die. Here here they go. It's quick and uh, when we're already in Boulder. And on one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. They're in the church and Harold throwing up. It's that first step we talked about when we covered the book. It's that first step to when Harold realizes he can be someone else. It's such an amazing idea to just skip forward, skip all of the midway boring stuff, (laughs) and only keep the real fucking bangers of scenes here. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't want to like jump to conclusions because it is episode one, but if it keeps up like this. It was perfect. I didn't have a single issue, complaint, or, oh, they did that. About anything in this episode. I wanted to talk about how how interesting it is that 
really our character, our main character in the first episode, the character that we are kind of introduced to the story through is fucking Harold Lauder. It's a brilliant choice because if you did not, if you've never read the stand, did not watch the original series, this makes you think Harold is going to be our protagonist. Mm. And at the very end of this episode, it's made very clear. No, he is not. So if you didn't have any conception of this story, this fucking blindsided you. And as fans, we knew that that's not the direction mm-hmm. his story goes, but it was still cool because we, we, when we read it, we all enjoyed the conflict in Harold of like, this is his moment to be a good oh, guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I was very upfront that he is my second Favorite character in the stand <laughs> <laughs> behind who I I literally cannot wait. I can't wait. God. Can't wait. Anyway, he's not in this episode yet, so uh, we. But you do know who's playing Trash Can Ren, right? No, and you better not I tell. I me. won't tell you. Nobody tell Ben. Oh, you're gonna lose your fucking mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's. I mean, the casting is so good mm-hmm. that at still not sure how I feel about Whoopi Goldberg. Because I can't look at Whoopi Goldberg and not see Whoopi Goldberg. Sure. Um, okay. But other than that, just like the random Brian Cranston as just the voice of the president. That was great. J.K. Simmons uh, showing up mm-hmm. for the really powerful scene as yeah. that poetry-loving general. <laughs> Which I'm glad that we... That was a cool pull out like oh from a piece of the universe where it would never have met originally that was it was a graceful pull too because yeah. it still made sense and fit in with the scene without feeling forced or like fan service and um it really gave us more of this stew who i like more than the book yeah oh, stew is cool and james marston plays him perfectly he's uh like gary sinise i have the the Whoopi goldberg problem and <laughs> i'm just like oh, he's just look gary sinise be there yeah but no he's just so played so laid back whereas gary sinise was just very grumpy <laughs> <laughs> i also can let's uh, talk about stew about stew's story here a little bit because just like the jump from boulder to five months prior and we see harold peeping on franny and her dad we we also meet Stu when he's already in the quarantine facility after he's already refused to do tests which is like all stuff from the book mm-hmm. sharing the room with the guinea pigs just like the book and we jump to his story right there and I, I, for one, I thought we were just going to pick up from there. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And then they jump back to the mm-hmm. gas station scene. And I, I love it. To see that. So it's, excited. It is. They do such a masterful job of cutting everything extemporaneous. Everything that it, it's the opposite of the complete and uncut version. <laughs> <laughs> is the complete and uncut version. King was like, we need everything in this book. <laughs> And the restraint that this has. It's kind of amazing how much story they managed to tell for clipping along at such a quick pace. I mean, somehow they build in more these small but intriguing character bits for people we didn't really get to know in other versions. It's so well directed. Yeah. It's so just the timing of 
we see one scene of Harold biking down this pier in Algonquit, and everyone's coughing, and there's like one guy wearing a mask. <laughs> and then two scenes later, he's biking down the same place, and there's a dead body on the ground, and he's yelling, is there anyone alive? We are not shown the few days where everyone died, because we don't need to. Let's talk about Easter eggs real quick, because we, uh. all, we all had one fun pull for Easter eggs. Uh, mine wasn't as fun. But you two, <laughs> you two got great ones. So, Sam, let's do yours first. So I don't know why this made me lose my shit, but I guess it's because I felt like it was a secret that only I knew about, which is not remotely true at all. I, I never would have noticed. No, me uh, either. Harold is an aspiring writer, and he's getting a rejection letter from a company that is primarily responsible for most of my books that I would murder someone over, Cemetery Dance Publications. And they produce some of the most amazing Stephen King reprints. Other authors too, but who cares about that? <laughs> uh, you also noticed the typewriter. Yes. Oh, yeah. The typewriter is the same brand in color as was used in the movie The Shining. Not sure if that's the same for the book. I haven't read it in so long, but movie for sure. The same. Ben, I'm I, so excited about this yours too. Was, I, uh, it's such a cool throwaway hint that there's this shot when... um. Harold peeps on Franny, and then he gets bullied by some Instagram teens. <laughs> and he comes home, and we get this really funny bit with his sister Amy, who's just sick in bed and crying about her bachelorette party or something. Baby shower. But there's this shot of him walking into his room, and next to his door is a poster. And I recognized it as a, a poster from the band. King Crimson, the album being in the court of the Crimson King. <laughs> so fucking cool. Which is such a deep, you have to know like three different <laughs> esoteric <laughs> pop culture references just to get that that is a tell that Harold's going to be evil. Very cool. Yeah. Mine was kind of just lame and one I'm sure almost everybody caught, but the when Harold gets the gun from that cop car... The store behind him is Dairy and Sons Antiques. Save the best for last. Yeah. At least uh, that would have been cool if it was Needful Things. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, well, like uh, Straker and... Right. Well, it was an antique shop, so... Could have been a reference. Probably not. <laughs> uh, but that just tells me that we are in for so many Easter eggs. I'm so psyched. And for I... <laughs> I, I can't wait for next week. Yeah. This is I like I said, I, I had no expectations. Did did you guys like I, how closely have you been following? Uh, I knew a few cast members and that's all. James Marston is two. Whoopi Goldberg is Guinan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean another Abigail. Oh my it could God. work, you guys. Whoopi's character from Star Trek TNG isn't human. She's been around for centuries. She could be <laughs> So this is already perfect yeah, for you. It could tie in. I could stretch this. That's all I am. <laughs> Waiting for that fanfic. Yes. Uh, yeah. Please. <laughs> uh, I've I've followed the casting. I follow, So I know who's playing pretty much everybody that's been announced as they came to be announced. So as far as casting choices, I'm pretty familiar, but I've not followed. I've not looked at any like behind the scenes. I've not read any articles about it. I'm so I could just enjoy this blind. I, I, yeah, I'm so glad that I went in blind yeah. because... 
I mean, if I had been hyped out of my mind, it would have lived up to it. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. But going into it being like, this will probably suck. <laughs> and then having it be this good, I'm, I'm giddy. I'm so, giddy uh, right now. Ben, since you don't know who plays Flag yet. Oh, no, I know I'm who plays gonna... Flag. Oh. oh. I thought we were talking about Trash Can Man. No, I asked right. you that. Right, but I didn't know if you knew who. No, anyway, uh, it's one of the Skarsgards. Alexander Skarsgard. So I'm just going to call it now. I'm going to be in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's funny is so jo- all the way at the very end when we get the reveal that Harold's going to be a bad guy because he has a vision of the wolf in Vegas. And he's typing his manifesto. Yeah, which is referenced in that very first bullying scene. Yeah, yeah that he had written... Uh, some short story that was taken to be a violent manifest. Right. But Alexander Skarsgård in Shadow comes out, and I was just about to say out loud, because one of the things about the Dark Man is that he's faceless. And I was just about to say, you don't hire Alexander Skarsgård to not use that face mm-hmm. every chance you get. And then they didn't oh, show his face. And I wanted it so like, bad. He, he, walks, he it, walks just out. Oh, oh, God, it was so good. Yeah, having his face enshadowed like that, like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, chills. Yeah. And, and then the final sequence of the episode. <laughs> the best part of Holy the entire shit. episode. Yeah. Ben, go for it. it we, we spend the whole episode and it, it goes through, it sticks with... Harold, Fran, and Stu for the most, uh, yeah, for the whole episode. And it it leads up to Harold and Fran leaving a gonquit, spray painting their directions on the wall, and then jumping forward in time to to Boulder and seeing Stu and Fran together and Fran pregnant and... Harold doing some real Jim Carrey face <laughs> acting. In a, in a good way, though. In a I good was on way. Weirdly in a really yeah. good way. Also, too, just real quick, I like what they did with the pregnancy because we know what's up with that, having read the book. And even if you haven't, I guess if you're paying attention to the cues in the scene, you could pick up on it, too. And it makes me kind of wish that I could see this without knowing the story, just to see if I'd notice these details and how things would surprise me. It'd, it'd just be cool. Okay, sorry, Ben, go on. And after all of this, it jumps backwards to the moment that Campion oh, all the way. Uh, escapes from the, from the bunker where the virus leaves. And we get to see the, the, the clock go red. He, when he dies in, at the gas station, uh, the, cl- the clock went red. We see the clock go red and we see the door fail to close from his perspective. And he stares at it and then looks at a picture of his wife and wife and kid on his phone and then sprints out the door. And as he sprints out the door, we see on the other side of the door, a motorcycle boot holding the door open. God! And with with the all three of us were like, "Ah!" (laughs) God damn. And yeah, the, the campions running and packing up. And then as they're driving down the highway, they see a man in a denim jacket hitchhiking and the camera pants and he's just in the back seat with them. And my heart just (laughs) fucking froze. It's so good, you guys. It's it's 
it's a masterpiece. Like that <laughs> that moment, that moment is so great because we in the book, all it says there's a malfunction. He manages to get out when the door should have closed. In the original miniseries, as he's leaving, we see the crow. So it's implied the, yeah, that like, it's orchestrated. Yeah. yeah. But this is such a direct but subtle thing and it uh, it was perfect. it's directed it so well it's touch. so and it's beautifully shot yeah the, the whole thing the whole thing amazing the scene where uh stew is in this underground facility with that uh, being held by the cdc right and uh he's kind of made friends with one of the doctors helping him which is kind of not no but i i love it and like we said before it's one of those small character things that they just do so well. I love it. You get this extra character that I don't remember his name, of course, but he's played by a guy that <laughs> is in stuff. Um, but he's in this facility in this room, and one wall is this cool, very high definition projection of nature that like changes with the time of day, and, and it, it goes has from like forest. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a really cool. Thing. Not drive you crazy underground. Yeah. But then Stu wakes up and hears a baby crying and he looks and it's a field of corn. And he climbs through it mm. into the field God, of corn. So, so fucking cool. <laughs> uh, the wolf with the red eyes was the closest to 90s cheesy that we got, I think. Well, it was interesting because that was about the time I was thinking our... Are we going to have those horror elements that we got in the book in the previous series with the nightmares? Mm-hmm. Fran and her dad, the coat hanger thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, this is the closest we've come to that more intense. Because I was also intense. expecting Mother Abigail instead. So it really like got me. Yeah, yeah. That typical horror scare type stuff. And I love that stuff, of course. And I was anticipating it in this. But the rest of it is so, so great that it didn't detract from the story or my enjoyment of it. Speaking of Fran and the, I, I love the subtlety that they're, they've used for the pregnancy. Yep. Cause the abortion stuff is a bit much. Sure. Yeah. Uh, for a CBS property. But I loved, like, they never tell you she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, he, she tries to tell her dad something and then he's sick. So she doesn't want to tell him. And, when she goes to bury him, she comes inside and eats the pie, like in the thing, mm-hmm. and the shot just lingers yeah. in her stomach. God. Mm-hmm. And then so you go the whole episode not knowing until you see five months in the future her pregnant in Boulder. Really cool. <laughs> really cool. Uh, I want to talk about I, my favorite, my favorite Fran scene, like probably in the entire book, is the burying of her father. And to get that, it was it was a heartbreaking, but it was so touching and it showed it, it's what we were missing from the original miniseries, mm-hmm. Fran, was that that drive, that that power Toughness, that she has. That yeah. Resiliency. Mm-hmm. And like watching her carry her father, who is much larger than she is down the stairs. I was so happy we got that because yeah. that just shows her heart and it's wonderful yeah that's my favorite fran scene too and i am so happy i get to say the words favorite fran scene because if our listeners have heard our coverage of the book in the original series you know that i like 
a lot of women I've talked to about this have had some issues with the way Fran is written, which isn't to disparage King. He writes women the way most men tend to write women. And Molly Ringwald's portrayal was fine. She played her the way she is, unfortunately. Anyway, I I feel like we're getting the Fran we need and deserve. She's She has character, and I hope that continues. Uh, another thing I, I missed, but it's something you pointed out, CM, that they, they bring up that Fran has a dead brother, which I didn't remember from the book. But you said that they made it in this that he's he's deaf. Josh oh, that's said what I that, said. Oh, but I'll, I'll take credit. Oh, yeah. I'll take credit. Oh, yeah. that's, that's my cool catch. Oh, yeah. That's um, cool. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, what, what? Okay. So. Uh, How did you figure that out? So they part never of, say that. Right. So part of in the book, they, they mentioned the relationship with Fran and her parents is because right. her brother was her mom's favorite. Right. She was her dad's her dad's favorite and then when he passed it created this hole in their family so as she's getting him dressed to getting her dad dressed to bury him she takes out a framed photo and puts it on him but if you look closely at the picture of her little brother he has a cochlear implant in his ear which means wow yeah (laughs) uh so it means i did not notice that that Mm -hmm. was a quick (laughs) that's literally was like a Three second shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just I, I noticed it in his ear. So that tells me that Fran's gonna know sign language. So when they eventually meet up with Nick Andros, she'll be able to communicate and translate, which is an amazing uh, mm-hmm. uh, bit of uh, character. Yeah, that's it's, great. It's 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 small. It's just it's amazing, and it'll help get away from the problem with Nick Andros of, of acting uh, as Nick Andros is having to write everything down. There'll be a faster way to communicate and keep those scenes really moving. Yeah. And I also like it. So I was fine with losing. Well, it's no loss in my opinion, but the whole Fran and her mom thing, it's like we're setting up Fran to have more of an active role with our group that isn't primarily being snotty about Harold and yelling at mother Abigail. And I don't, no, maybe we'll get flashbacks of more family stuff for her. But if we don't, it doesn't... It, I like that it's not the focus right now. There's more important stuff. Okay, so what are we expecting in the future? How many episodes is this? Ten. That's all? It's not enough. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, so what are you guys expecting? Uh, f- uh, for next episode or for the long run? Did Anything. Next episode, I think, is going to be Nick Andrus and Tom Cullen. I think it's going to be focused around that journey. And we're, we're st- I think we're still going to jump to Boulder and get yeah. there. And I think we might get Lloyd. Because I feel like okay. we should, we should, each one should have like a villain uh, introduction. Because now mm-hmm. we're getting Harold on That's that side. And maybe point. the next one should be. Ooh, or maybe next episode will be Larry Underwood. I feel like it'll be Larry. See, yeah. I ca- That's what and, I was yeah. thinking. And Nadine. Yeah, Larry um, and Nadine. Yeah, oh, that's what God, I can't wait till you find out who played Joe, Nadine. Uh, I can't wait until like, yeah, the whole <laughs> dynamic with Nadine and Joe and all that. Yeah, I think it's going to be Larry, but that's yeah, that interesting because I wanted to ask, how are they going to do Tom Cullen? It's hmm. a very different time. Yeah. Do no. you guys know who's playing no. him? Because I don't. I just really, truly hope they cast a uh, person with yeah well kingdom hospital is an example uh, they did a great job of including individuals with different abilities yes. very well 
Okay, so I, I'll spoil this one bit of casting because we brought this up. For Tom Cullen is going to be played by Brad William Henke. He was he's a villain in the Origins of the New Black. He's like a now that I oh, saw yeah, the picture he was of him. In that. Yeah, now that I see the picture of him, he's going to be a fucking amazing Tom Cullen. See, I, I know him as uh, he was one of the brothers from season two of Justified. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I imagine it it's just going to be. A more, uh, uh, I hope a, so. A more tasteful portrayal. Well, and I, I think really the the right route to play that character is just childlike innocence. Yeah, and I really I think that's probably the direction it's going to go because he he's just. I hope so because yeah. it's a fine line. Sure, no, that'll be. But God, now imagining the scene with them sending him to Vegas and seeing that big man so scared. <laughs> and my, I'm like, I'm already sad. I'm already <laughs> sad. So so yeah, th- I think. Yeah, next episode, we're either going to get Larry Underwood, Nadine, uh, or Nick Andrews, Tom Cullen. Yeah. But that takes us to three episodes to get those three big stories. Yeah. And I think from there, and then yeah. we got to get Trash Can Man in there somewhere. I, I, I was going to say, if we only get 10 episodes, Trash Can Man better be here soon. Because <laughs> I swear to God, if we get like three episodes of Trash Can Man in it. You know who we well, can leave out. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The kid. Yeah. Oh, that is one p- piece of news that I did follow. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, I, so if we follow that formula, right, I think if we keep heroes and, like, main characters and main villains, then we're going to get, I think, Nick Andros, uh, Tom Cullen, and then, obviously, Julie Laurie and Trash Can Man mm-hmm. in one episode. And then the other one's going to be uh, Larry Underwood, Nadine, and Lloyd Henry. That's my guess. Okay. That's my my hypothesis. And then we can get into the madness that is uh Hemingford home and yeah. and all that. God, that's uh, I I really like the the formula of the show. I'm very very excited. Very excited. Final thoughts before we wrap things up. Let's just go around and the just the the top, the top highlight, the best thing in this episode for you. What was it? Even if we've already covered it. Alexander Skarsgård. Okay. You know I'm right. <laughs> should have should have <laughs> known that was going to be the answer. It's always going to be the um, answer. <laughs> not necessarily my favorite part, but something we didn't talk about that should be noted, the makeup effects. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely good. Extremely upsetting. Very, very gross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think my favorite, not like a specific scene necessarily. I like that despite the fact that we know everyone's going to die, Every character we've met did the same thing that the book did to me. Every character we've met pretty much that is not in our final group. I have really enjoyed. And so losing them, even though I know going into it, they're not coming out. It's just it's devastating every time we lose one of these characters. And that's like it's such a fine line. So great. Oh, wait, I do want to mention one more uh, just little bit. When uh, uh, Harold is brushing his teeth and listening to the radio, and we hear that bit Ooh. where in the previous miniseries, it was uh, Kathy Bates, yeah. I think, yeah. was the radio person that's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go out my way. But in this, it's just like, I'm not going to die of this sickness, so I'm signing off. And you hear a gunshot, and Harold just like stares in the mirror for a second, and then just shrugs and keeps brushing yeah. his teeth. <laughs> hilarious it is it's picture perfect Harold. okay i'm gonna give a serious answer alexander skarsgård yeah okay (laughs) i could have called that (laughs) and that is it for this episode of dairy public radio the sit 
Join us next time when we cover episode two of The Stand. For Joshua Kahn and Benjamin Graham, I'm CM Alexander reminding you, Alexander Skarsgård. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to our first episode of The Sit. We hope you enjoyed it. We would really love to hear from all of you about what you think of the new series. Please let us know on our social media at Dairy Public Radio or send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.